Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Angelica Film Center, with operating theaters across the nation in New York City, Texas, Washington, D.C., California, and Virginia, and Sony Pictures Classics have launched a special Bring a Friend Back to the Movies initiative. Time to the April 22nd release of the upcoming Sony Pictures Classics dramatic comedy, The Duke, starring Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren. In addition, Angelica Film Center announced that the Angelica membership program will be launching on Friday, April 29th. The Bring a Friend Back to the Movies initiative will provide one complimentary ticket to anyone who purchases a ticket directly from the Angelica website, app, or in theater to see the upcoming film, The Duke, during the first week of its release. The goal is to bring audiences back and remind them that nothing beats seeing a film on the big screen with a friend. Sony Pictures Classics will release the film in theaters in New York and Los Angeles on April 22nd, before expanding to additional cities over the following weeks. The Duke premiered at the Venice and Telluride Film Festivals in 2021 and is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes at 95%. Today I'm joined by Jim Broadbent to discuss his work on The Duke and to thank him for making me look cool in the eyes of my six-year-old son. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. How are you doing this morning, Jim? Hi, Christopher. Very good. Thank you. Or is it morning where you are right now? No, it's, uh, it's half past five in the evening. Ah, how are, how are things on the uh, other side of the world right now? It's all right. It's Weather's a bit miserable, but we're, we're all right. Well, thank you for taking the time to do this. I got to tell you, I loved this film. This is There's this sweet spot that this movie hits for me where it's a based on a true story of something that I should have heard of that I had never heard of before because it's such a ridiculously wonderful story. And I just absolutely loved these characters, and I'm so glad um, to have been told this story at this time. Was this something that you were familiar with going into this? I'm, I assume you probably were. No, no. I, I was 12 when it all unfolded, and I wasn't reading the newspapers or watching television <laughs> news. So it... it, it Passed me by. Well, I probably was aware of it at the time, but I vaguely remembered it when the story, when the script was sent. I, I think I do know that it's real somewhere, but um, but it is as you say, it's a ridiculous story. You never get it. Uh, um, so you never sell it as a fiction. You know, the fact <laughs> that it's real is the only way you could get it made. Really, so it's such lovely people and interesting. An interesting tale, and it's a, uh, and it's, re- I re- feel very strangely proud of a film. I mean, you think I don't, I don't have any hesitation telling people to, to go and go and see it. No, you'll love it. And sometimes you think, well, is it, you can do a film, you think <laughs> it might not be your sort of thing. Well, have a look. But this one, you say, no, go have a look. You'll enjoy it. It's a, it's a. I've had a huge reaction from friends and family much more than anything I've ever done before. Well, it's, it's right out of the, the gate. Just the, the, it's a fabulous film. You should be proud of this. This is just one that's yeah. just, this is something that's uniquely a, this is what film can be. This is something yeah. that's absolutely, it's very visual, but it's also a great story that's character driven. It's kind of pull, hitting on all cylinders the whole time. So I, I get why you're proud of it. I would be as well. I think, and I think it's, I mean, I, I realized, or it occurred to me, Sort of three weeks in, or to fil- is filming, I thought, "Oh, we're doing it's like it's a, this is like an Ealing comedy." And, uh, and that little did I realize that uh, um, 
Roger Michel and the writers and the producers had been steeping themselves in Ealing comedies for, <laughs> for weeks before production. But um, but I think there is uh, um, there's uh, I, know, I, can't remember, I can't remember what I was going to say. Following on from that, sorry. Um, uh, no, it'll come back to me. Sorry. But, no, no, no. You're you're, you're totally the, fine. Oh, yeah, it is an Ealing. It is so. It's got that quality of Ealing comedy, but with uh, the sophistication of you know, twenty twenty um, filmmaking. You know, so it's 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 bringing that those two elements together. You know, the keep keeping that sort of slightly that innocent quality, and, and which is so charming, but actually with the sophisticated filmmaking that Roger is. A was able to do well you, you look at it and it's just every element of it where the the visuals the way that it's shot the locations for it the um the way that it's um edited every element of this is just absolutely beautiful but in the end it's really just this character piece that this movie doesn't work unless you have really these you and your son and you know if those two characters aren't the right actors in those roles, this movie doesn't work without it. You can hide behind all those other things, but this is really just a human story that it, it could work as a play, really, just the way this thing is written. It's quite, I, it's funny, but it's something that this is the type of film we don't see very often anymore. And this is a type of movie I deeply miss. Yeah, well, Richard Bean is a great playwright himself, one of the writers. So, it's, I mean, and, and Roger, Michel, he directed a lot of plays as well. So there's there is there's a sensitivity to what actors can do and a love of what actors do and bring to it, which is comes in the writing and the directing. I think, and it's it's which is uh, and Roger, his casting across the board was so accurate. I mean, the like the guys come into. Um, for the, from the television detector vans, you know, they, then they all crowd into that room, and they're all absolutely every every actor is spot on, and they're absolutely dead accurate. And then, and then the journalist comes in, he, you know, he says, you know, he's he wants the story. I mean, and he's exactly right. You know, it was a a great skill of Rogers is getting his casting right. And it, he said he, I think he's has said had said that that the casting was his. The main thing that he looked for, wanted to get right in any filmmaking or or playmaking, I suppose, as well. Yeah. And and it shows because you're right. There's there's not a weak link in this chain. It's everybody is so fully realized that they have. You know, when you're at the bread factory, you can see all these characters that they might mm. seem ancillary in another film, but they, it feels like they have full lives outside of this mm. film that you could just veer off and tell a completely mm. different story with any of these people. That mm. it's just it, they're all. Absolutely present, yeah. and it's really great. pretty impressive to see that in a film like this. Yeah, great. Oh, I'm glad you spot that. <laughs> and is this what was it that drew you into this? Why was this something that you said you that you decided you wanted to be involved in for this particular film? Well, why wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. It's just it was just delicious from the word go, um, and I. I, I, I I'd heard a sort of rumor that the the, the script that they that, that people were keen on me playing a, a major role in, and I thought, oh, I don't know. so when it came through, I realized that there was this is yes, I can see yes, I could love to do this, and it was it was 
Um, and I think I knew why the people were interested in me for, for it. I could identify with it, and it was a, um, and it was irresistible from the page one, really. And I thought, oh, I get this guy, you know. And it's the writing. You know, There's just a beautiful piece of writing. You know, it's um, very subtle, and uh, but gets gets the jokes and the, and the. And the pain and the grief and the tension and the excitement and the, and the, 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 the anger and the, you know, it's all there and then just a very light, a very light touch. Well, there's this, um, today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So last time when I went into Bookman's, I actually had the intention of looking through some Blu-rays, DVDs, had something very specific in mind, but I happened to notice that there were several albums out, several uh, vinyl records that I was interested in. In fact, there was a couple of crates that had new stuff, and the first thing that caught my eye was uh, Black Sabbath Volume 4, so I started looking through this crate, and it was amazing because it was this rare moment when Usually you look through a crate or two of records and you might find one or two things that you like in there that you're like, ah, this is what I need to get. With this, it was literally like every other album was something that I wanted to check out. And it turns out that somebody had just sold their record collection. And apparently me and this person had the exact same taste in music or really damn close to it. Um, Because I'm 45 years old and so a lot of the music that was kind of the alternative rock of the late 80s early 90s seems to be exactly where this individual's taste lied and so it was lined up perfectly with mine Um, an album that i've been looking for for a long time that i've wanted to pick up on vinyl was uh, depeche mode's violator and i happened to find it this last time i went into bookman's Um, this was an album that was released in march of 1990 and i think this was Depeche Mode's biggest album. It was their seventh album, um, and it's best known for the single Personal Jesus or maybe Enjoy the Silence. I'm not sure which of those two songs were the biggest ones, but there's a bunch of great songs on that record, including Policy of Truth and World in My Eyes. But one of the things that made this such an important album to me, this was also the first concert I went to. So it was in June of 1990, June 4th, uh, 1990, at the Lakewood Amphitheater in Atlanta, Georgia. I went to see this tour. Um, Took a bus into the city with me and a friend of mine. It was summer between eighth and ninth grade, and we saw Depeche Mode. And it was the first time I had seen a band play that wasn't at like a Six Flags or a baseball game or anything like that. First time I went to see live music without my parents and I was absolutely floored. It was the first time that I saw an encore. We uh, left the venue, we were on our way out of the venue and we didn't understand why everybody was standing around and then they came back out. And at at the time, we thought that this was something that was completely unique and special, um, that they came back out because we were such a great audience. We didn't really know that an encore was something that a band does every single night. But anyway, the album Violator is one of those rare electronic albums from that time period that really holds up today. And it is a true album where, yeah, there are some great singles on this, but this is a record I can listen to both sides from beginning to end and really thankful I was able to find this one and have a 
had a great deal of nostalgia this weekend listening to it, and I know this is one that I'll be putting on quite often. So if you're ever looking for vinyl or if you want to sell some vinyl, um, you can always check out Bookman's because remember, they have your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks. Just from a sheer plot perspective of this, the reality of this thing, um, you know, if you translate what was 140,000 pounds into current, you know, (laughs) money, we're talking about tens of millions of dollars that this would have been possibly hundreds of millions. I'm not sure what the exact translation would be and how this particular piece of art was stolen is just, it, it's so silly. It's so, (laughs) if you wrote, like you were saying, if you wrote this in a film and said, this is how somebody pulls off this great heist. Cause I think we've both seen, you know, art heist films. That was kind of a, a a staple of movies at Mm. one point in time. And this is how one of the largest art heists history went down it's so fantastic no, it was a, it was a massive story at the time you know i mean it would be i mean the national gallery and then you know, yeah the, and the duke of wellington and goya i mean it's like the most offensive thing that could ever happen to the arts <laughs> establishment in all the all the government who they just shelled out 140,000 pounds for it and you know, which i mean and that's what you know set Hempton off the fact that that amount of money had been spent on a picture, for goodness sake. You know, it's like, so it's a, it all flowed from that. Yeah, you're right. Well, and, and it's that idea that the, um, the characters in this film and, you know, working class neighborhood, they wouldn't care about the, you know, this thing being taken away from them, the chance to see <laughs> the Duke of Wellington portrait by Goya, that's not going to mean anything to them to spend that absurd amount of money and that they, um, they're they being taxed to watch television by people that are literally going around, um, television detectives, as you pointed out, which the, all these things that just don't make sense. It doesn't seem like it's from any reality that I, it seems like farce at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's just that this was real, this happened. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's wonderful to get your head around to think about in that way. And I love that there's no they're not precious about this. These people, I mean, you and I might have a different reaction to the arts than perhaps these people would in this situation, but the film doesn't present it that way. And I really love that. It feels like an honest reaction to this material. Mm. Yeah. I think that uh, it, it felt very you know, honest and an organic way to approach it. I love the fact that when he gets the picture home, he says, it's not very good, is it? <laughs> <laughs> like he's, that's exactly what a I was thinking. Art, artistic judgment of bringing it into that's the one moment I think where you reflect on the actual picture. <laughs> well, it's I, I remember when I was um, probably five or six years old, my parents took me to um, to I think a museum of modern art in New York, and we went in, and there was just these paintings that were just strikes of paint going across a, a blank canvas. And it looked like in my eyes, like somebody just took a roller and went across it for about 30 seconds. Um, and in my mindset, it was just, well, I could have done that. What is that? That's not impressive. And you know, this thing cost 140,000 pounds and it's just tiny. It's not, it's not very large. It just seems like a little portrait. They don't, I, I get that. And I completely love that reaction to it. And this is one of those films that I, it's easy for me to share, to recommend to people um, not unlike you, where this is one of those ones, there's not many films that I could sit down with my wife and watch. I could sit down with my son and watch, or I could, you know, have my mom watch this film and we could mm. all share this thing. It's something that 
it it's never insulting or placating to the audience. It's it's something that's just a really warm, fun story. And um, mm. congratulations on it. It's a great little film you got here. Great, thank you. I hope people and, go and do you think it'll take take off in a, because it is a very British story. Do you think the America goes well in the states? Well, so I have my mom is from Bedford, so I have from a little bit, my mom's from Bedford. Um, she's oh, yeah. from England, so I I have half my family is English, and I have kind of I, I have always been had you know English culture as a part of my life growing up. But sitting down with my wife and watching this, um, somebody who doesn't necessarily appreciate these things, uh, kind of if it's an upstairs downstairs type thing, she doesn't necessarily really care that much about that stuff. But she absolutely reacted to this and was enjoying it, and it was something that I think could be shared that way. And I think that it would, it will connect with people because this is absolutely a universal story as far as somebody that's frustrated with, yeah, with the absolutely. government doing ridiculous things. That's that, that yeah. we can relate to that here. I would say. Yeah. Good. And I, I just, one last thing, I know we're running out of time here. Um, I have out of everything that you've done, um, you have, you could have a hundred different conversations about the different types of films that you've been involved in. Um, just looking over your career, it's so, so impressive because you could have something that's a very lighthearted, um, family-friendly conversation, something that's more dark and more esoteric about some of the work that you've done. But there's very few people that I can speak with that I impress my six-year-old son. And you're one of the people that when I told him I was talking to you, um, he was deeply impressed by it because he's become obsessed with the Indiana Jones films. Um, and to him, oh, really? in his mind, Crystal Skull is the best one out of all the films. And so, and I love having that perspective of a child who brings none of the baggage and he just sees everything equally. And he's like, no, no, the one with the aliens, that's, that's the good one. That's the one you need to watch. That, that's the most fun, clearly. Um, <laughs> Great. And, but the fact that the Dean is there that I'm talking to him today. So thank you for making me look cool. Oh, well, six year old. I'm glad was good. give him my very best. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did have one question for you. He just wanted to know if you will be involved in the next one. That is a direct question from him. No, uh, sadly not. Okay. I, I will pass that on and let him know, <laughs> but know that you, you, your, your work is that transcendent. <laughs> You're still connecting right. with kids and adults around the world. So thank you, Jim. I appreciate the time today. Good. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye. And Bye. JPI, please cut. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
My boy's cracked.